Welcome to Team Perry's Step Out of Line podcast, featuring co-hosts Perry and Lori Finkelstein. Together, they explore, meet, and share inspirational stories with guests who have made a positive impact in today's world. This podcast resonates with our hope to make this world a better place one step at a time through love, acceptance, and uplifting conversations. I have a soft spot in my heart for, uh, certainly for anyone who goes to Adelphi or who's an Adelphi uh, person, because uh, I even back in the late 70s and 80s, when I went to Adelphi, I always thought it was kind of a hidden gem as a great segue. And Adelphi was kind of instrumental in, in helping me step out of line. And, and, and it's mainly because when I went to Adelphi, I just thought, well, I better get a college education. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I, I believe I switched my major about five times to find a line that kind of like excited me or was something that I was really interested in doing. And Adelphi was very, very helpful with that. I mean, I would go in and say to them, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what is right for me. And they'd say, well, you know, just let's, why don't you park yourself here? You like education. Let's make you an education major. Or you're, you really, you're trying to work it out. Take these classes, but become undecided major. And then finally, you know, I had a professor in the business school talk me into switching my major to accounting. Now, this is a major step out of line for me because when I was in the, in the 70s, I probably had hair down here. I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I wanted to be making music. I realized at some point in my life, I probably wasn't good enough musician. So I better do something where I can at least get into that business, right? And uh, it's like, you know, it's funny, down, down the street at, this, at the local high school, I've gone to career day a couple of times and I sit at this thing and they put this sign over my head that says music industry. And I said to them, you know, I'm a finance guy. I, I was an accounting major. I, I, all I can tell you is that every business in the world needs a finance person and needs an accounting major. They, you know, it, it's, it's the type of skill that you can use in anything you do. You don't have to be in the music industry. You could be a lawyer, you could be a real estate professional. You could be a, uh, you know, a manager of a, of a string of uh, coffee shops. You still need to understand finances. So people would come to me and go, how do I get in the music industry? How do I get in the music industry? And I'd say, you know, you have to kind of do what I did, which was I realized that everybody, I stepped out of line a little. I realized that everybody needs a finance person and everybody needs somebody who knows something about, you know, finances and accounting and that sort of thing. So I switched my major to accounting at the uh, recommendation of a professor who only recently retired, I believe. And, uh, and I went to school for an extra year. So I went to Adelphi for five years and graduated with like 160 credits or some crazy number because I had switched my major so many times. But I did that because I was like, uh, okay, I needed to find my way. 
And really accounting or finance to me was stepping out of line because if anybody told me in my life that that's going to be your path, I would have said, you're out of your mind. I'm not going to do that. That's not me. I was more, you know, and when I would go out and meet people, I would usually initially lie to them about what I did because I didn't feel like an accountant or I felt like an accountant had this kind of uh, stigma. But after a while, I embraced it. But initially, to me, it was a major step out of my comfort zone and what I was comfortable in doing. And I certainly at the time in the in 1981, when I graduated at Delphi, I don't think I fit into the cookie cutter of people who became accountants. Certainly, I was a musician who wanted to be uh, in the music industry. And if I couldn't be in the music industry as a uh, performing artist, then I wanted to be behind the scenes in any way I could to support the music industry. So I took a chance and it turned out that it came easy to me and, uh, and that was, that became my path, but it was certainly a very different path than uh, when I, when I started or what I had assumed would be my path when I was a young man. And I have to say thank you to Delphi again. I think this company is out of business now. They were in Lynbrook, New York. They got, they got me a summer inter internship in my junior year. And the name of the company was Amprobe Instrument. Now they were a huge company back then. They just said to me, you're gonna go there and you're gonna help the guys in the finance department. I'm like, uh, okay. I had no idea what that meant. They gave me no specifics. They, and at the time I had no, you'll really like this. I had no white shirts. So I used to go, I, I was like, well, I'm going to be like an accountant. I guess I have to wear a tie. So I would wear like these weird, like pink shirts with these paisley ties. I looked like, you know, something out of the sixties. It was all I had. So but anyway, they, it, was the, it was the greatest experience I ever had. The Amprobe Instrument was a company that made, they made these instruments that were like gauges that like you would stick it in your, um, in your they, were, they were mostly for automobiles. You would stick it in your exhaust and it would tell you what percentage of your exhaust was uh, uh, um, inappropriate, uh, uh, you know, emissions. Or you would take these gauges and put them in your carburetor and it would tell you how much of your carburetor is burning gas. They had all these instruments that helped people understand whether their car or their automobile was operating correctly. None of that interested me in the least. It was the furthest thing from my interest level at all. But I went into this finance department and they had, you know, seven people. Everybody had a job, yeah, accounts payable, payroll, accounts receivable, in inventory. Everybody had a specific job, one person doing everything. And they all needed to go on vacation. So they all were required to take their vacation two weeks apart in the summer. And for that two weeks, it accounts payable. And then that person came back and then the next person would go on vacation. And for the next two weeks, I would do payroll. And then that person would come back. And then for the next two weeks, I would do accounts receivable. And all of these are very, very typical 
accounting functions. And I did it for a company and I loved it. And it was like, I picked it up really well. I picked it up fast. I had to pick it up fast because I sat down with these people for like a day to understand what they did. And then they were gone. And, you know, the CFO or the head of the finance department was still there, but he didn't get into the micro of what these people were doing. So it was a fantastic internship. Uh, and the best part about it is they even paid me. Because <laughs> a lot of times these internships are not, you can't do it anymore because it's against the law now. A lot of these companies would, uh, you know, hire interns out of colleges or whatever for college credits, but you're not allowed to do that anymore, at least not in California. I don't think you're allowed to do that in New York either. So you have to be paid now. But back then, they could have gotten away with just giving me, you know, two credits or something like that and not paying me, but they did pay me. So I worked all summer there and it was some of the best experience I ever had. Like when I graduated from school, then all of a sudden in my first job, I'm sitting next to guys who didn't do what I did for this company. And they were like, they didn't even understand it. And I was like, well, this is accounts payable. This is what you do. And I knew it. And uh, so that type of experience will benefit you greatly and, and take you a notch above people who don't get that type of, of real world experience. She has so many things that she wants to do. MBA is just one thing. I always um, was upset that I didn't go back for an MBA uh, right away, but I wound up going back for an MBA when I was 42 because I never forgot that, that didn't I didn't get to do it. And uh, so, you know, I understand the itch. But you didn't need it at that point in your life. You just did it for yourself. I even had my boss trying to talk me out of it. And uh, I said to him, this is, I'm doing this for me and it'll benefit you, but I'm doing this mostly for me. And, and so, uh, and it was hard to do at age 40, 41, 42. Uh, but, and I did it at UCLA because by that time I had moved to LA and it was great. And, uh, and another experience that I wouldn't give back. You're always looking in this crazy business world, uh, ways that you can set yourself apart. And you're certainly doing that with your fundraising efforts and, and, and uh, stuff like that. And, and things like this, like this podcast is very innovative and forward thinking. So uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just a fan of MBAs. It's just more fuel for the, uh, for the, for the fire. Where is the long haired Michael music wise? You still have this person in your mind of who you were. Do you ever feel like you want to be that person again? Or is it what is like the way that you have a creative outlet? Do you still play music? Do you write songs? What do you do for yourself? Well, to the extent this is a uh, video versus audio, you can see this is my home office. I have, you know, your kids go and they buy like uh, Xbox or whatever or a PlayStation. And that's how they pass the time. This is my PlayStation. I have a keyboard uh, uh, workstation right here that I can record with a microphone. And I have something like seven guitars in my office. To me, it's stress relief now. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, when I, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the workday, since I'm home Zooming all day, if I feel like I need 15, 20 minutes, I just pick up a guitar, fool around, 
turn on some really ridiculously loud music and have my wife yell at me. It's too loud. I stay involved that way. Plus, you know, I've always been very artist side. No matter what job I had, I've always been, uh, shall we say, you know, uh, a confidant of the artist or somebody fighting for the artist side rights. And, uh, and so that's kept me really close to my original roots. And plus, it wouldn't be a great uh, story without me saying this. My younger son is a musician and uh, he was actually in a band called The Neighborhood that sold millions of records. He toured the world for three years. He's been on Letterman and Jimmy Kimmel and all the late night shows. And uh, about five years ago, he just turned 31, uh, my son. He did this when he was 23, 24. About five years ago, he quit this band and they're still around, but he's not in the band. And now he's doing a DIY thing, but he's still a musician. He's a working musician. He makes his money uh, in the music industry. He's, he's hoping to go out on tour. And so that keeps me grounded to my music industry roots too because usually when he calls me up it's it's not to say hi dad how you doing it's to ask me a, a business related question he gets around to the hi dad how you doing so those things have kept me really close to the to the let's call it to the performance side and the artist side of, of the business what's your favorite part of your job right now that you have i've been at universal now for i just passed my 25 year anniversary. For the first 21 years, I was the worldwide CFO. So putting my accounting degree and my finance background to, to good use, uh, working for what, what wound up being the largest music publisher in the world uh, for a while. But for the last four years, I segued to a different role. I now run a separate division. I'm the president of what's called universal production music. And, and really what we do is we just hire producers, artists, songwriters, composers to write music. And that music is for film, television, commercials. You may not hear it on the radio. So in other words, it's music that might not be commercially released where it's a band that you, you know sells a million copies. But when you go see any movie, you know, I would say half of the music in that movie is production music, is, is music that was made specifically for that movie. You may not hear it on the radio, you may not sell a million copies or whatever, but it's music that was maybe even developed specifically for that, that, that scene or whatever. So I, I like the flexibility that this gives me to stay closer to my music industry roots. So, for example, we just we did a deal about two years ago with uh, um, a company called uh, Abbey Road Masters, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's the Abbey Road Studios where the Beatles did all of their record and many other bands, Pink Floyd, every other every big band in the world is always either recorded or wanted to record at Abbey Road, which is in London, they decided that, hey, when the studio's not being used for uh, big artists, 
let's just continue to make music and we'll create a library of music that can be used for film or television or whatever. So I did a deal with Abbey Road Masters and then I did a deal with Capital Studio Masters. And then I did a deal with, uh, uh, you know, John Anderson, who is uh, the lead singer of a band called Yes. We did a band, uh, we did a, a project with him uh, of music that we're pitching just for film TV commercials. So it's weird, like a lot of the older artists who are past, let's call it their prime, you know, they may not think they are, but they're not at the point now where they're gonna have millions of screaming kids going to you know, buy their albums and whatnot, but they still wanna make music. And so I have the flexibility in my current job to create projects for them. And I've done it and there, and I've worked with some of my musical heroes. I'd say my favorite part of the job right now is, is the flexibility of, uh, you know, okay, we want to have an entire album of songs that would work well for uh, CSI New Orleans. So it's got to have a New Orleans theme. Let me and my team reach out to some New Orleans artists and create that music and, and, and create a whole collection of music that just might work well for any movie or television show or anything that has a New Orleans theme. So that's, uh, that's an interesting flexibility, which has allowed me to kind of stay close to my performance roots. Is there anything that's making you crazy about the pandemic that you just like say, I gotta get out and I just gotta do my job again? <laughs> no, uh, on the work side, I don't have any issues at all. I mean, I'm dying to get together uh, with my team. I have not physically been in my office since March 15th of 2020, when we were told to go home. Uh, and since I work for the music industry, you know, the music industry will, uh, will Universal in particular, I think they'll be a last mover, if you, if you know what I mean. They're not going to be a first mover in terms of bringing everyone back to the office. They're being very slow, they're being very methodical. And now that with this new variant, they're being very careful. We have migrated into a way of working that is different than it's ever been. So I am more connected now with my international team than I've ever been. I speak to my guy who runs our operation in Asia Pacific. He's based in Hong Kong. I speak to him once a week. I never did that in the past. I, I might speak to him on the phone once a month. I see the people, uh, I have an executive team meeting once a week, and that includes people from London, Hong Kong, Australia. Now, the poor guy in Hong Kong, it's usually at about 11 o'clock at night, but he wants, he, he's, he's really happy that he's part of the executive team and he never misses a meeting. We all are Zoom, you know, focused and a little Zoom fatigued but it is making the work side of it work well. I think what suffers is the personal interaction and, and the social aspects of being in the music industry or being in any business. You wanna be in marketing, period, it'll be like, you know, the, 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 the social interactions you'll find are just as important so that you can keep your finger on the pulse of, of what people need. And that's what marketing is all about.